0: to the 4Health Farms Eat Well, Live Well podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Todd, joined today by 4Health Farms, one of the owners, Dr. Robert Hagan. And this is our first inaugural episode of the 4Health Farms Eat Well, Live Well podcast. Thanks everybody for joining us. Dr. Hagan, let's start by introducing you. You are a physician here in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and you are one of the owners or proprietors of 4Health Farms. So
1: I guess I'd start by, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a a plastic surgery trained individual that does a lot of peripheral nerve and hand surgery, and we operate and and help people out of a lot of pain. but interestingly enough, you know, my plastic surgery background, uh, most people will think about plastic surgery as, as more cosmetic where I'm more kind of reconstructive and, and peripheral nerve. But bred into our training is a lot about, um, you know, the cosmetics and, and longevity and youthfulness and, and a quick degree of separation from that is, is nutrition and, and how do we live longer.
0: What is Four Health Farms? Let's let's explain what the what Four Health Farms is, and and kind of they have a very unique mission, and I think we should explain to our
1: listeners what the mission of Four Health Farms is. Right. So if you dial out to ten thousand feet and say what well, what's for Health Farms, right? So the 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 name alone suggests that we're interested in in, in health and, and um and our nutrition, right? Um it, the the first kind of layer of 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 Fort Health Farms has been um, really it was born out of of, of my my personal, uh, pathway or journey to get, uh, to get healthier, right. As we all age, our metabolism changes, the dietary um, choices we've made over, over the years, start catching up. And, and so that intersection of, of your choices and, and your aging and all the other life liabilities that get in the way, um, start to make you think a little bit more about, um, how do I be kind to my body? I love that old saying, you know, you're you hard on your body the first thirty years. You better be kind to it the next thirty years, right? And I'm so, off by <laughs> a couple of years. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Right? I'm still so. in the first phase. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but but that's that's the notion that it was born out of. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie uh, guy. A lot of the people I hang around with are. Um, I still thought, okay, how do I eat healthy? But you know, I'm a carnivore too, and I enjoy good beef, right? And so, how do I, how do I go and 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 what is good beef, right? W- where do I get it, and what is it? And so, after I started to peel back the layers of of what is healthy beef, you quickly get to the point of saying, okay, there's a lot of information out there that suggests that grass-fed, uh, strictly grass-fed beef is significantly healthy for healthier for us. So I'm like, all right, I get that. So you go to the store, right? So you start saying, hey, where do, where do I get this grass-fed beef, right? And you go to the store, and there's some options, especially, you know, this was four, five, six, maybe even seven years ago that we started on this mission of even the thought of, of, of eating healthier. And, and, and so you go to the store, and there just wasn't very many options. And then the options that, that, that existed were not usually local. Um, they really, you couldn't really, you could go on the web and and try to track down where these uh, where these providers were sourcing their beef for, but it wasn't all that clear, right? So you didn't know where it was coming from. You didn't um, uh, you didn't really know how it was raised. It wasn't from local, and it really wasn't all that available, and it was pretty pricey, right? So born out of that, we said, hey. Uh, we're gonna we had we had just purchased a farm and said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna raise our own grass fed beef." Next thing you know, snowballing, right? So all all along the way, I, you know, I'm I'm talking to my friends about this and and telling, uh, you know, and trying to to inspire them as well to to think about, hey, this. The more I read about this stuff, the more I learn about nutrition and and and, and nutrient dense foods. The more I realized we better open our eyes and and start thinking about this more clearly, and 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 the the, the individuals around me suggested, hey, well, I, w- I want to be part of this. I want to I want I want to I want to have that available uh, too. And in my mind, these were individuals that understood how to build a sustainable business, right? And so we talk about sustainability in in in, a, in an agricultural way. And but at the end of the day, it has to be sustainable so that it can continue to provide what you need it to provide, right? And so this group of individuals were very very intelligent, very uh, very uh, good business people. And so collectively, as we all came together over you know a period of about one or two years, all of a sudden, for health was was born out of those collective uh, discussions, and then you know it, 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 it's it's never the same as when you started, right? The, it's it's it started here and it grew layers, right? And so if we say ten thousand feet, what what's the current? What was the original mission versus what's the mission now? The original mission was was hey, we'd like to be able to source a Grass-fed beef that we know where it's coming from, and and just have it available to friends, to family, to the nucleus around you, to your community. That was the kind of initial goal. Dial it forward. We then said, "Well, how do we do that? How do?" We? And by the way, one of the one of the challenges with grass-fed beef was that it just wasn't as flavorful, right? Uh, Historically, it's a it's a good point.
0: Do you think that it's not as flavorful? Maybe just because of contrast, because what we've been exposed to for so long is just, it's, it's really a different animal, I mean, altogether. It was not flavorful because
1: it was too lean, right? And so, and, and fat we, is we, where the flavor. One of, one of the things, and we'll circle around to talk about this, but you know, one of my favorite saying is flavor and health are at the intersection of fat, right? That, that, that intersection... So the intersection of of flavor and fat, so the intersection of flavor and health, is at fat. I'm flavorful as hell. We, got, we all we all have some layers of flavor. I have an abundance of flavor. I'm gonna start
0: telling my wife that from now on.
1: Listen, I'm flavorful. Okay, just back off. So, but, but that's 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 a real important um, uh, concept. And so the, again, dial back out to 10,000 feet and say, so for healths mission was to come up with something that was available at first. And then we took it to the level, well, like, well, we want it flavorful. We want it healthy and flavorful. And historically, the grass-fed beef was very lean, right? So, like, well... And then all this information came out that, like, fats are healthy for us. We need fats, right? The right that, fats. Yeah, that's right. So we need healthy fats. And and our industrialized food has been fairly laden with unhealthy fats, right, and, so, and sugar. So fats, we need to survive. Let's go back to that concept. So to survive, you need protein, right? You need uh, healthy fats, right? You need fiber, and you need water, right? The- the building blocks of all cells and all. So, how do we? So the the, the problem then, the the very cerebral part of this, uh, which is really cool. There's a lot of nutritional science, animal science, um, um, that that all intersection. How do you do it? So, bring in. Well, how do how do we get more fat in there that's healthy? And that's where we introduce the the Wagyu um, uh, cattle genetics, right? So. Wagyu beef traditionally
0: associated with Japan. Right. And it is so for some listeners that maybe aren't completely knowledgeable about it, wagyu beef is considered some of the finest beef that you can get when you go to a high level steakhouse. Those are typically wagyu steaks or wagyu beef
1: that's being served. Correct. So wagyu is a kind of a breed of cattle that um, is genetically predisposed to intensify its intra intra intramuscular fat, right? Versus its extra mu- muscular fat. So the marbling actually looks different for those meat, for
0: those. We'll call them meat nerds, respectfully, <laughs> that look at meat on the on the butcher block. Wagyu will look different than good old fashioned black Angus steaks because the marbling—it almost looks like it's snowed fat. Within the meat, rather than laid strips of and streaks
1: of fat, Is right. that Yeah, no, no, very, very um, a, a good observation, right? So, it it has a unique what they call reticulated fat, right? And so it's 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 a web-like reticulation all throughout the muscle, right? And. And so that's a genetic predisposition that we want to utilize. And even in a, even in an intense grain fed animal, which most Wagyu beef is, right there, that fat is somehow healthier than. Uh, more other other traditional breeds like you know Angus or Herford or any of those things, any of those other uh, breeds. For for some reason, it's been gen- as well as as ge- uh, genetically predisposed to intensify intramuscular fat. It also it also creates a healthier fat even when grain fed. Now, most people to your you know your point the kind of the the, the beef nerds the food nerds that love. To talk about wagyu, right? We're actually really not trying to compete with that. With the you know that classic A5 wagyu, right? And that's that intensely snowed, reticulated fat. That's it's like eighty-five percent fat. It Looks more fat than it does red protein beef, right? We're not trying to compete with that, but we are. We are utilizing those genetics to remember what the challenge was, that, that grass-fed beef was historically not so flavorful, right? Because it was missing fat, right? And fat creates flavor, it, it, it sequesters uh, different kinds of flavors, it gives us texture that we enjoy, and, and it has its own unique flavor as well, uh, especially in the, in the Wagyu animal, right? So that was one of the additions that early that we said, hey, this, this is at least, we're going to start either developing um, a pure Wagyu program or we are going to mix with other genetic breeds to figure out which one works best. Right? Um, and we're currently in process of doing that. Again, so remember, we're not trying to compete with an, with an A5 uh, Japanese um, uh, Wagyu steak, but we are utilizing those genetics to make our product superior than 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 what has historically been available.
0: Now, traditionally, there's not um, a large amount of wagyu beef producers in the United
1: States, is there? No, there's a limited supply, right? I mean, the, the, they, they allowed some of the genetics out of there. Um, it's a, a little bit of a, a different story. But um, but let's just let's summarize it with saying that, uh, you know, some of the genetics were, were brought to the states. And from that, we've been able to create a herd. And, and through the American Wagyu Association, they're tracking... You know, um, different uh, breeding coefficients, and making sure that uh, that our full blood, um, uh, uh, you know, overall herd uh, is maintained. I do
0: want to mention that Four Health Farms is a it's a farm. It's a real dirt, grass, barn, tractor farm. It's not some corporate. shell corporation buying beef from somewhere i mean this is your this is you and your partners this is your project like you are boots on the ground
1: dirt on your boots working through this right yeah no and it's it's a uh, for me it it's it's uh, it's a bit of contrast right i mean you know we both work in the medical field we're inside all day long we're scratching at the windows we we love what we do we get to help people right but uh, we're inside a lot of hours, right? So for me, um, you know, the balance of being able to go to, to, the, to the farm on Saturday and work, um, you know, we usually do rounds, right? I call it rounds just like medical rounds, right? Uh, we do cattle rounds. I, I meet the uh, I meet our, our cattlemen uh, on site. Uh, we do rounds with different herds. Um, we may have a uh, kind of a, uh, I call it our lab meeting when we're, we're working on protocols for the, for the fighter system which we can talk you know, talk about here. Um, but it's, you know, and, and various partners uh, contribute in different ways. I mean, there's some of the partners that uh, show up when we're doing, you know, we're um, herding the cattle and doing pregnancy checks and, you know, uh, 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 while we're clearing land uh, to make new pasture, while we're fixing fences. Um, so everybody kind of finds and is still finding their their way how they engage this uh process as as the boots on the ground dirt therapy that's what it offers yeah i mean uh, it's it's good stuff um and the location right i mean so we we spent a lot of time looking around at locations uh, where we where would we put this farm and and uh, where's where's a good opportunity for that and part, i i think it's probably one of the one of the best parts of the story is you know we we have some land out in uh, kind of south southwest of here, out um, uh, near Sullivan, Missouri. And um, as we've developed more land, right, um, there's actually a small town in Missouri named Japan, right? So, so we,
0: you're raising Japanese Wagyu beef in Japan, Missouri. That we are.
1: I love it, right? Jeff, how many states do you think have a town called Japan in it? This has to be a very small number.
0: <laughs> I will. <laughs> it's a leading question, right? So I'll go less than five because i I don't know if there's only one, but uh, less than five, I would
1: think. There's one. One yeah, there's one. Pennsylvania has a little township, but it's uh, it's part of a township, I guess. It's an area, but it's not. Um, uh, it's not officially a town, so the only official town is in the um, that we could find that we could identify, still to this day, uh, uh, named Japan is in Missouri. Um, so we're raising, to your point, we're uh, it's just fun, right? I yeah. mean, it just adds to our story, right? Uh, we're raising wagyu beef in Japan. In Japan, beyond the beef. There's there's
0: a lot of layers to this farm. I mean, I I have the the pleasure of talking with you about a lot about it. Um, but every time I talk to you, I feel like there's like a whole other side of it that, that I'm like, wow, I didn't know they were into that. So once you you've talked about how you've tried to to start a four health farms was the design was to try to build this better. We'll, we'll call it a burger for lack of a word. We're trying to build a better burger, a little better fats, better taste, better health. And then but then there's a there's another layer that comes after you kind of go okay, well, we're going to we're going to use the best beef, we're going to find the right cattle. And then it, then there's a whole another layer which is well, now we're going to feed them better because if we feed them better, that helps build a better burger. And so now that's built a whole there's a whole agricultural side beyond cattle that goes into Four health farms. You got to have grass because grass feds the mission. Um, but then you guys do a little something different with how you finish beef, which we should touch on finishing. Cause I don't, I don't know as a culture or country, if we're really intelligent about where in the hell most of our food comes from. I have done a little bit of reading about it and, um, there's an amazing documentary on Netflix that probably a lot of people are familiar with. If not, it's interesting. It's called Food Inc. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. But it breaks down a, a very basic level, the food, industrial food complex. Walk into your local Walmart slash grocery store, pick up a steak. Might say Black Angus. Might say nothing. Choice, Prime, whatever. Most of that is fed in a stockyard. So we're talking cement floors, maybe a little bit of mud, um, a gajillion animals jammed into one place, that place in your mind that doesn't necessarily picture of happiness and happy cows, and then they're pumped full of grain, typically corn, and then then they, they call it's called finishing beef. And explain the concept of finishing beef, because that's, that's something that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with.
1: Finishing beef has to do with the nutrition program of the animal, right? And I love this. I'm not the originator of it. I love this term. You are what you are eating is eating, right? So it matters what that source, that food source that you're about to eat has been consuming and its environment that it's been living in, right? Right. And so now let's dial forward to to the the concept of of, of the nutrition program then, because that's that's when you're saying what are they finished on? You're saying you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 they what's what were they eating in the first part of their life when they were with mom? You know what are they eating when they're growing up and you know in the pasture and then what are they eating in kind of their you know later years before, as I would say, they only have one bad day. Right? We have we have. You know they live a really life good life we we pamper them um we we don't take in vain the fact that at some point we're going to sacrifice this animal for the betterment of our nutrition enjoyment right and um and it's you know so you have to be thoughtful about that right so the the the, the final uh, period you'll you'll hear people talk about grass-fed grass-finished right grass-fed grain finished, right? Um, it just means what are they doing, right? And at, at the end of, end, end of their feeding program, and this is that intersection of, 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 of plant science and nutrition and uh, genetics, all those things come into play when how they're f- being finished out, right? And. And again, we're no grain, right? So we're grass-fed, no grain, you know, not grain-finished. We're sprout-finished,
0: right? So basically in the last portion of their life, traditionally they're pumping grain because that's they're packing on pounds, packing on weight, and most bang-for-your-buck kind of scenario. This 4Health Farms took the first step, which was, hey, we're going to grass-feed these animals, making them – in. Making them healthier and better for us, but then even there's a lot of places that gra- that feed grass. But then four health farms decided, no, we can we can do even better. We can make it even better. We can make it even healthier, and that's by using sprouts to finish the animal, right? And then even that blows my mind when I talk to you about sprout finishing because I didn't know anything about sprout finishing until I met you. But uh, even that's that's a whole nother layer of the four health farms these are hydroponically grown sprouts these aren't just hey throw some seeds in the dirt and run a tiller over it this is this is high science stuff and you were explaining to me the the, the point of hydroponically growing is that the entire plant sprout plant, not just the, the green part that sticks above the dirt, but the entire plant, the root and all that is edible because there is no dirt when you grow hydroponically. So now you're able to feed that entire piece of plant, which is even more nutritious and nu- nutrient dense to the animal. So that's, I mean, it blows my mind. It's like every layer has six more layers to it and it's all how do we build a better burger? How do we make it healthier? How do we keep our carnivore instinct intact without our cholesterol instinct?
1: <laughs> We're not over-massaging. I always say you can't over-massage. Mother Nature, right? Um, and this—it's—it's it's a this is a—it's a great part of our story, right? I mean, the sprouts that um, that we're utilizing to to help finish animals is a, a wonderful part of our nutritional story. It was actually born out of one of the partners has as a as a farm, and it has a low lying area that it would be hard to plant hay because it's right down the river bottom, and and he kept looking for something to like. What can we plant? What what food source can we plant down in this almost like a bog, right? And we kept looking at buckhorn. We're looking at algae. We're looking at like all these different things. And as he was researching this ferociously, right, he, it, this, this fodder stuff kept coming up and it – All of a sudden, it made sense. So he really championed that. Uh, He brought that to to the table, and I was, like, so excited about it. Like, this makes sense, right? And so the next thing you know, again, this individual who is a good, you know, great business mind – um, uh, worked around the economics, which I think is hard for uh, basic individuals, and certainly a basic, you know, farmer, right, trying to get his head around the economics of oh, do we do we invest in in, in fodder systems and and so. Uh, we did. We built our, as we call our minimal viable prototype. We're we're now um, growing about uh, at least two thousand pounds a day of of barley sprouts, right? That um, that uh, that we harvest daily, you know, six days a week. Uh, it's grown in uh, these trays that are you know fifteen to eighteen feet long, um, and you just uh, you pull them right out of there into big big tubs and take them right out to the animals and they and they and they eat them. And to your point earlier it's it's the whole root mat, it's the stem, it's the sprout, right? And sprout's just for everybody's understanding as a, a sprout is just that you've you've just added water to a seed and you've started the germinating process and and you let that go for 7 days, right? And in 7 days cuz you're doing this big tray with these seeds, you have this lush densely nutritious mat of roots and stem and, and and the and the plant that is in its most d- densely concentrated nu- nutritious form right because it's a it what it's done is it's provided all of its, um, all of its information, right, into this little, this little plant that is going to grow up and be a big plant someday, right? So it's, it has all of its, its energy and enzymes and proteins densely in that that it's about to use over the next X period of time to, to help it grow. But you, you take it at that point, right? And you feed it as a natural; it's all natural um, uh, supplement to the to these animals, and they love it, right? So that was our way of saying, "Hey, well, that's a this is a fair way. This is not over massaging. It's not using chemicals that we can we can improve the nutritional balance for these animals." Again, going back, what was our mission? We want to create a flavorful and healthful. Uh, grass-fed beef, right? And so now, you know, kind of under our own umbrella, we've 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 developed um, some uh, some new techniques with with this fodder, these fodder systems, and we're utilizing that fodder as as our as our over, part of our overall nutritional program.
0: So, how many people are involved in the Four
1: Health Farms venture? We have about 10 partners. Local Saint, Missouri. St. Louis though. people um, that are invested in in the community, are uh, very civic-minded people. Um, and, and all of them, because they're at the table, have some recognition or desire uh, uh, regarding the health concept of this. Yeah, I think one of the things about
0: 4Health that I really like is the whole thing's organic. I mean, if you really look at it, you're your, your dream was very organic mm. and somewhat selfish, right? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting older. I've got to do something better for me. And then what comes out of that really just basic idea. And then it it's okay. I need to look at beef. I need to look at something more nutritious. And then organically, what happens? You tell some friends, you tell some buddies over wine or beer, and then they go, Hey, you know what? I need to do the same thing. And then two people turns to 10 or six, six turns to 10. And then next thing you know, you've got 10 people in a room that are like, Hey, this is, this is not only good for you, but it's good for me. And it's good for my mom. It's good for my dad or my sons and my daughters. And then, then that builds a business, which then now employs people, which then you build a message and like anything organically, it just grows a hey grows into a podcast where you're able to get out and talk about, hey, this is these are things that people don't think about. This is what we're doing. So I really love the organic, the whole or the whole thing is organic from top to bottom. Right. What do you hope the impact of Four Health Farms is? I mean, is it to be a nationwide beef supplier? Is it to be a local beef supplier? Is it to carry the torch for other farms to go to look at you and go, hey, you're the model for how we should do it. And this is what responsible, flavorful, healthy beef farming,
1: cattle raising looks like. Right. And that was, that's like anything else has evolution, right? Because at first to your point, we started out saying, hey, we just want to source, um, good healthy beef for for our nucleus and and around us right and um but as you like anything, if you do that, the all of a sudden you start to learn about the challenges of of, of the farmer. You learn about the challenges of of why people are pulled away from uh, from making pure things and industrializing them, right? And so ultimately, our go goal um, again has grown. It, 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 we want to continue to to our main goal currently is to develop the most flavorful, healthy beef product that is that is available and make it available to you know a local regional. With what we understand from that growing or, or born out of that will be uh, you know how can we impact that process with with fodder systems how can we impact that with um, uh, you know the cross hybridization of different uh, uh, genetic breeds how do we um, start to measure um, the amount of dense nutrition that is actually in the product and making that available for uh, for consumers um, and then applying that to other, you know, you know, how do we do that in chickens? How do we do that in hogs? How do we do that in sheep? Um, how do we marry that with, um, with organic uh, vegetables and farms?
0: The one thing you touched on is a lot of farmers do start out with this ideal goal, but then quickly have to change. And economics is probably the number one driver of that. This stuff is not cheap by any means, right? I mean, in terms of... And when I say cheap, it is not inexpensive to raise Wagyu beef, grass-fed, sprout-finished. And if you want to raise a healthy, healthy in all terms, healthy animals that are physically healthy in their lives and how they live, but then healthy as in the byproduct of their meat is healthier for people in consumption,
1: it's, it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, you really, it, at the end of the day, you get what you pay for, right? Um, so we're, in, and that's part of the mission. Is like, how do you, how do you get all that together? How do you get the product that you want, and how do you make it affordable to people, right? But first is, how do you scale just to, to get enough of it, to supply the nucleus that you're, that you're interested in, right? And so, for like from our standpoint, you know, we just got to the point where. We're, you know, you can go to our website and you can sign up for subscription and you can get a a box of beef um, sent to your house like every three months, right? Um, We don't have scale enough that you can go on and say, I want, you know, I just want 10 ribeyes. Well, it really doesn't work that way yet for us, right? Um, We want you to- But that's okay. That's, I think that that is actually what
0: makes Four Health Farms um, unique and somewhat charming is- like we're not we're not mass producing cattle at breakneck speed that we can just slap you off 14 ribeyes just cuz you called and placed an order on the internet this is this is grown start to finish these are healthy animals that <laughs> nature takes some time and we're right. not messing with nature very much if you want 14 ribeyes in 30 minutes that's why we have feedlots, and that's why we have those things, is for that mass-produced beef. But mass-produced beef is, to your point,
1: you get what you pay for, right? Right. And you know, and and we'll grow. We'll we'll eventually have scale that. Um, you know, maybe that maybe that occurs. But it really the the beef box um, approach or the subscription approach that we have. Was really born out of how do we how do we convince people to um, kind of get out of their mold of of their favorite uh, steak and and utilize the whole animal, right? And even even to the point of you know everybody's uh, nobody likes to talk about like eating organ meats, right? So nobody likes to understand that um, in a grass fed animal uh, those organ meats are nutrient dense, right? And so how do how do we creatively mix that into to our diet? Because because you know our grandparents did right and and uh, people on the plains did they understood that different nutrients come from different organs in the body not just the not just the beef steak right and so you know what comes from liver and what comes from um, thymus and what comes from um, heart and what comes from you know uh, kidneys or or you know so all these these different organ meats are actually really important and if we can inspire someone to somehow take some of those and move them into their their dietary choices um, again that has has a good impact on people's um, nutrition for like for instance one of the topics i get right we're in the middle of a pandemic right and there's a growing number of uh, information regarding just you know vitamins and uh, nutrients and and uh, the the, the grass fed animals are uh, have significant like four five 10, 20 times depending on different vitamins um, that are that are in these the the um, on the beef uh, as compared to to the feedlot animals. That's important. If you, you know, you and I have talked about the the importance of just even vitamin D, right? There's a ton of information that vitamin D is so important to, uh, to not getting uh, the COVID, right? Um, and and your your nutrient nutrient dense food matters to your health and your immunity. I mean, when it comes to
0: coronavirus, I mean one of the big buzzworthy minerals is zinc and grass fed beef is higher in zinc levels and zinc's been tied to virus uh, replication and part of the process that the viruses go through. So there was some early discussion about when it comes to coronavirus, if you supplemented with zinc, could you potentially slow the replication or decrease it? I mean, some of that's debatable, but the reality is that having more of these minerals is never really a bad thing in our American diet. In, in the medical field, when we talk about things such as multivitamins and, and different things, when we're talking with patients about those things, if you research them, a lot of times they'll say, well, in the modern American diet, people probably get enough of XYZ. I always look at that and I always go, well, I, I don't know what the modern American diet is and how they really measured that because I think if if you said maybe the 1950s modern American diet where you had a a bread and a meat and a starch or whatever, but even if you had your plate that looked like the food pyramid back in the day, the reality is the stuff on that plate, even if it was in a food group, is might not be what's really in a food group. I mean, there's some data that... Like for instance, wheat,
1: right? Wheat, the wheat today isn't the wheat of yesterday. It's it's been modified. I mean, I'm I'm a I'll say I'm a victim of that, right? I'm um, I'm not a celiac person, but I clearly had a gluten sensitivity. I've now been off gluten for four years, right? Uh, if I have if I have modern day gluten, um, I have a bad eight hours. <laughs> it's not fun. Um, but just, so to, to your point, is is that you know the Food of yesterday is not food of today, Um, the value of it, right? The nutritional value um, is not the same. It's got baggage too because to your
0: point earlier, you are what your food eats and a lot of our food, whether it be vegetables or meat proteins,
1: it's not exactly getting always good stuff. You know, I mean, it gets, some, gra- it, it gets grain, right? If it, I mean, if, if you're the typical Western diet, uh, if you are what you're eating is eating your corn, right? And, it, <laughs> and corn <it's>, is everything, <laughs> right? It's supplemented, um, and we grow a ton of it, right? And so, I don't know the exact um, n- number, but I think there the seventy. It's it's somewhere near seventy percent of our um, corn that's grown is fed to our animals, right? And and Going back to the food pyramid, you know the food pyramid is was not based on science. The food pyramid was bo- based on uh, a government decision on on uh, what they wanted to to, to provide, right? And it, it's that whole thing of it's a it's a um, um, it's a the unintended consequence. Of, of a of a goal that was that was set right of you know we want to go out to feed the world right, and so how do we do that how do we how do we produce more how do we you know make more and feed more and when you cut too many corners when you over massage mother nature there's an un, unintended consequence usually and so I think that's what we're we're a big I think we're beginning to uh, to understand that. And even with the fats, like think about the you know we, we we started talking about fats, healthy fats, right? You know we all know it, like avocado oil, right? Is 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 a or olive oil is a healthy fat for us, right? Fish oil, right? Fish oil is a fat, right? It's a healthy fat, right? It has high omega threes, low omega six, and and the the Western diet uh, that we've that we have the industrialized Western diet just doesn't provide us enough healthy fats. So many years, right? All of us were like, oh, low fat, right? The American Heart Association, everybody was like low fat. Well, what they did was they they dropped our fats. Then they added in uh, lots of carbs and lots of sugar, right? I loved that. Oh, I kind of sugar it, right? was the biggie, right? Because you had they had to make up for flavor
0: because when they dropped the fat, they lost the flavor. So right, sugar replaced... fat for flavor and there's several studies that show that sugar stimulates the same part of your brain as Illicit
1: drugs. Here's what the the final blow of convincing me, and 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 I would say, uh, you know, I've done a lot to change my diet, and I still think uh, I always say I'm a nutritional idiot. Between nine p.m. and and ten p.m., right? So I still get a sugar craving during that time. So that's my own battle. But one of the things that uh, that I had forgotten, but learned recently, is like when you consume sugar, right? Your body absorbs it. Obviously, it goes to the liver. The liver what does it do from there nobody really thinks about it it's not it turns it into glucose right well it doesn't really turn into glucose right if you have it, it does it first and then the 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 residual part of it is is there's a process called lip, lipogenesis or lipogenesis in the in the liver so the liver takes sugar that we love right we all love sugar it then turns it into fat and it's not a it's not a healthy fat that it turns it into. And then it stores it in the in the in the liver, and we get fatty liver. Right. But the but that is a genetic, that is a
0: genetic genetic evolutionary step, though. Fat is is designed by the body as an energy store for if we go back to the caveman days the idea being that they'll come a frozen tundra you can't grow any crops or you won't have anything and you will you will need energy and you will break down fat and because you will be in a significant deficit so you will break down fat to have energy i mean that that system exists for a very specific reason. The problem is, we we don't ever go into the deficit,
1: right? <laughs> and that's the problem, right? We have two hundred mechanisms as to make us store energy, right? I mean, really, a pretty cool design, right? If if you were out and 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 you hadn't eaten in three days and you eat and overeat and consume, and your body knows to to like, well, I need extra energy. You just ate a bunch of extra stuff. I'm gonna store it around your midsection, right? in the center of your gravity and so that you can continue to walk across the tundra or wherever you are. Right. Um, the, you know, there's, there's a bunch of systems to design that, but, um, but uh, evolution and, and natural selection didn't account for the fact that we were just going to have it available to us 24 seven. We're going to eat and snack and, and, you know, all this processed uh, kind of foods. Right. I'm so intrigued by
0: what four health farms is doing because I am, I'm an unashamed carnivore. I've tried there's something about meat. I need it. I need the texture. And meat is ritualistic too. I mean, there's a ritual. There's a ritual to barbecuing or smoking or grilling and and there's there's more than just the meat itself, right? Like there's something about you and your buddies hanging out around the barbecue grill or the smell when the smoker's going in the backyard, and you can smell it in the front yard or whatever, so it's it's a little bit more to the f- fabric of us than
1: just what's on the plate. The ritual of preparation, right? I, I think that was a, a Michael Pollan co- uh, covered that, in that that omnivore's d- dilemma, and I think it, it's there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, it's it's, but part of us is have left that behind the whole ritual of, of of making the meal and being in the kitchen and cooking and 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 enjoying the process and doing it with other family members or doing it with friends is is really important and it's something that you know each gener- generation is slipping further and further away from that i
0: think after this podcast I think it's really important that I purchase my
1: third or fourth grill. One strictly for grass-fed um, proteins. Yeah, I scat. mean,
0: that seems to be a reasonable, safe thing. I don't want any cross-contamination. Should I write a prescription for that for you? It, and Better yet, write a check. That, um, you, I'll write the prescription. You write the check, <laughs> I think. Or better yet, if there's a sponsor out there that wants to write a check, I'd be more than happy to tell everybody I cooked this... Wonderful Four Health Farms grass-fed sprout-finished ribeye on my new
1: Weber. But <laughs> I'm up to four. Um, you know, but back to your to your point about um, even I had that, you know, when I was deciding like, hey, I, I need to eat healthier. I need to put healthier things in my own body, right? And I, and I thought, am I— Willing to be a vegetarian? Am I willing to you know be um, um, you know without beef? And at the end of the day, I thought no, right? I, I'm like, I like I'm a carnivore. Um, and I, I like uh, I like the flavor of beef. I, but like, but how do I how do I get healthy, right? How do I do it and and get healthy? So that was the, that was a dilemma of of mine as well. But I quickly got past that and said, all right, we're just going to figure out how to make it, you know healthy beef.
0: Another thing I want to touch on is there's a lot of news. There's a lot of um, emotion around meat production, cattle raising, especially when it comes to the environment. And it's funny because I, um, I certainly don't want to be political, but I find that a lot of the farmers and the agricultural people that I know, and I've had the pleasure of taking care of a lot and my Dad is one of five tenant farmers from West Texas. Um, these are people that deeply care about the environment they because the environment is actually a hundred percent the source of their income, their livelihoods, and so trashing the planet is not something they're interested in but for health farms it it's Moving in that positive direction, correct? I mean, moving toward a more carbon-friendly farm-type environment?
1: Right. There's a big push now. Um, It's called regenerative agriculture, right? And there's a couple um, guys out there talking a lot about it that I think have inspired me, you know, Gabe Brown, Ray Archuleta. Um, There's a ton of information, there's an overwhelming amount of information out there about that and and how regenerative agricultural practices um, are more friendly to the environment and and they talk a lot about the important and the importance of the soil and and how the soil is a live you know dirt is is dirt but soil is a living creature essentially right and so how do we take care of that because all the stuff that we've been spraying on our lands has really kind of challenged that uh, that soil and so and beyond that, so then we talk about the whole uh, carbon, right? You know how to how to regenerative agricultural uh, um, practices will will help sequester, right? We want to get carbon back into the ground, right? And so the natural process, as we were talking about, is cow eat grass, it um, digests it, it poops on the manure on the ground, and re. Um, and you know the bacteria in that cow's gut extracts some things, but it puts some things back in into the manure and it goes back out onto the ground, goes into the soil, adds adds nutrients to the soil and and makes the soil help sequester carbon into the soil. So healthy soil will sequester um, carbon healthy soil will absorb water, right? because we talk about, CO2 emissions and we talk about erosion, right? So if the if ground is unhealthy and it doesn't absorb water, right? It it just runs off and erosion happens, which is bad for the environment as well. So just lots of different components to that. Which
0: is another part of that industrial farming complex, the water runoff from these big industrial agriculture plants and um you know whatever they're spraying on it gets into the ground, which gets into the, rot- the water runoff, which then eventually makes its way to some body of water. We don't have an infinite supply of water and there is somewhat of a recycling that goes-, that goes on with that. But water runoff is a big deal. All the water that's moving, is it moving soil? Is it moving land? Is it moving those kind of things? But then also what's in that water? You know are these chemicals going and where are they going and when do they disappear we talked about the just
1: a basic comparison of of a large feedlot that has no grass um has a thousand cows in a smaller uh, space you know they're all eating grain and pooping right and um all of that manure gets piled up you know w- water rain hits it erosion um in And, you know, it's just not good uh, for sustainability and regeneration. In summary, I would say
0: 4Health Farms is a Missouri-owned business that is designed to build better beef. A healthier beef that is not only socially conscious, nutritionally conscious. The overall design is um, by healthy carnivores for healthy carnivores. Hey, I just came up with that. (laughs) I like it. And then I think that if we look at 4Health Farms and kind of what our goal, even taking the next step with the Eat Well, Live Well podcast is, one, we've now introduced people to 4Health Farms and what their overall mission, the overall mission of 4Health Farms is. But with the podcast, I think
1: let's touch on some things of what our goals are. Right. No, I think you know, and I think there'll be evolution. Right. Uh, so the the idea here today was to 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 share a ten thousand uh, uh, foot view of what our mission is and a little bit about us, and then let's start breaking down each different component of it and 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 how it relates to all of us just day to day. Right. It'll it, there'll be overlap of, of of nutrition. There'll be overlap of you know kind of dietary struggles. There'll be a overlap of just what do we enjoy and how do we match it up with that and still stay healthy and and so and how do we bring how do we go find individuals that will teach us that and teach to to the people that are that are listening as well.
0: So for more information about Four Health Farms, the website is the number four healthfarmscom there's some great information on the website that talks about why a lot of the things we've covered, why Wagyu beef, why sprout finished, um, there are recipes available on there. And then there's, there is the contact information that you mentioned where people can, if they're they're in and they want it, they don't need to hear any more, they can go on to 4healthfarms.com and order a beef box if they want to uh, do that right now. Um so I, I encourage people if they if they haven't bookmarked that website to go to that website and bookmark it. I think just a great inaugural
1: um uh event here and um uh look forward to uh, educating everybody else and educating ourselves as as this process develops we'll, we'll learn a lot and and hopefully share and have a great impact on others.
0: We'd like to thank everybody for listening to the 4 Health Farms Eat Well Live Well podcast. Until next time. Jeff Todd
1: and Rob Hagan eat well live well